0: Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Some suit from God knows what department has pulled you from your regular assignment to be a courier for a state's evidence package. They pulled rank and your boss is spooked. It's hush hush. What's weird is that they gave you the address to a biomedical storage company and a note Cylinder, do not open. On the back are what you figure must be GPS coordinates. What the hell is this? Join Agent Michaela Rumanov, played by Ureen, and Adam as the handler in Third Man Factor, a Delta Green scenario created by William Shar. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up to date news and a link to our Discord. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to another Delta Green duet. I'm here with Joreen right now, who will be playing agent Michaela Rumanov, an FBI agent from San Bernardino, California. So we're going to start this off with you sitting at your desk in one of California's several FBI field offices doing a bit of paperwork. You seem to find yourself doing quite a bit of paperwork these days. You haven't been on any field assignments in a while. You haven't really had any major cases that have allowed you to go out and actually investigate things. And for the past, like, maybe for the past several months, you've been finding yourself just doing these kind of low-level fraud cases. Nothing that really has any element of, like, danger or excitement and you've been somewhat confined to your desk. You look around you and you have like a picture sitting up next to your computer. It's of your husband, Tim, and he's sitting next to your your family dog, Fudge. And uh, you're thinking about getting out of work soon because you have three hours left of your shift and you're just kind of like waiting to get through it. But it's kind of kind of slogging by, you're like just toying with your pencil and kind of just like clicking around on random stuff on the computer. What's going through your mind right now, being in this situation?
1: She is definitely checking the, the clock on her laptop way too many times per minute. She's just bored. This is not fair. It's not fair to be at a desk job. This is not the job she chose. She just wants to be out there. She wants to do stuff and here she is stuck at her desk
0: you're just kind of like clicking on the clock hitting refresh on the desktop organizing the icons doing doing things like that when a man walks over to your desk you recognize him as Frank from accounting he's somewhat of a of a weird guy he is one of your supervisors you remember one time Frank had asked you for help in something that you considered kind of weird. He basically asked you to retrieve a package from that from one of the evidence rooms and, and basically tried to like swear you to secrecy. He assured you it was no big deal, but just wanted to be sure, you know, maybe don't mention this to anybody. And you remember you walked in on him one time, uh shredding papers, and he looked somewhat embarrassed to be caught. He was Oh, oh, it's it's just you, Mick. Okay. Uh, Look, this is a. I'm just getting rid of some trash here. It's just some old files. You've seen him do some somewhat shady things in the past, but he's a he's a nice guy, and you don't get the impression that anything he's doing is like too malicious. And he is like one of your supervisors, so you don't really question, or you haven't really like like publicly questioned what you've seen him do. And he walks over to your desk and he's just kind of like leaning over the side of the cubicle, just like watching you on the computer. What are you working on, Mick?
1: Honestly, I'm working on getting the hours by so I can go home.
0: I have a job. Maybe you can maybe you can help with this. And he he's kind of looking around. He looks somewhat uncomfortable. He's checking to see who's around and and who might be listening in. The other people that are in this office look pretty busy with whatever they're working on. You can hear people making calls. You hear keyboard sounds and just phones ringing and various office noises.
1: At the mention of job, Mick perks up, sits a little straighter, stops clicking random stuff on her desktop. And is like, uh, job? You mean other than desk job?
0: Yeah, uh... And he, he kind of leans on your desk and he rolls his sleeves up. He's like a, a man in his 50s. He's balding on top and he's a little bit overweight. He has like a five o'clock shadow. The hair that he has like on the sides of his heads and on the, and on the back is um, this gray like salt and, salt and pepper color. And you see him. He kind of like leans on the side of your desk and he's rolling his sleeves up you see it's it's not really so much of a case as it is an errand. I need you to to drive something to a to a storage locker for me it's it sounds kind of silly, but let's just say this item is pretty classified, and we needed to get there discreetly i mean you you seem to be bored you seem to be cooped up here, and I know I can trust you so I figured I would ask it's gonna be a long drive, but I could pay you i could can make it worth your while, and plus you get to get out of the office.
1: Mick looks over at the picture um, real quick and thinks, yeah, well, it it sucks, but getting out would be nice. And she turns back to Frank and says, okay, um, just like last time, you mean, like when I was running an errand for you last time. How far are we talking?
0: Look, I'll be honest, it's pretty far. I'm gonna need you to drive to Reno, Nevada. It's about seven and a half, eight hours away.
1: Jeez. Is this package okay. I'm I'm sure you wouldn't ask me if you couldn't run this through like normal postal service. Um do I at least get to use a company car or do I have to do this with my own car?
0: Yeah, yeah. Anything you need. Anything you need, I'll I'll set you up. It's just I, I can't do it myself. It would it would raise too many too many suspicions. Uh, look, I, I'm not trying to scare you. This thing, it's it's not dangerous or anything. It's just, I need somebody to drive it that nobody will have their eyes on. You know, nobody's going to. And you see him. He looks, uh, actually, can you give me a human roll?
1: Yes, I rolled a 31 out of 60.
0: Awesome. So you see that he is looking very paranoid right now when he talks to you, it's like, he's constantly just like letting out too much and then just wishing he could go back from it. He's just like, you know, I I need to have somebody drive it that nobody will have their eyes on. Oh, no, no, no. But this, this is going to be totally safe. Like it's, it's nothing you need to worry about. I just need to have somebody, somebody new, somebody, uh, you know, somebody who isn't part of this. And then he's just like, that's not what I meant. Look, it's, it's really, it's really going to be nothing. It's just a long drive. You'd be doing it for me.
1: Michaela is getting more worried every time he says that she doesn't need to worry. And she, Frank, we are talking off the books, aren't we? I mean, I, I willing to do it. That's not the problem, but why are you, maybe it's not, maybe it's not my place, but why are you this nervous?
0: Uh, It's really nothing. It's, it's just, it's indigestion, uh, Look, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. It is off the books. This isn't, a, this isn't a bureau thing. This is just a, well, it's kind of a bureau thing. But I, you're right. It's, it's not on the books. But you're not going to get in any kind of trouble for this. I promise. We're not breaking any rules. And he seems to look very sure about this. But it's almost like it's something he's trying to tell himself. It's not against any of the rules. Taking a drive. What rule does that break? That's people take drives all the time. Would take a drive right now if I could. I just
1: okay, okay. Um, sure, I'll do it. Uh, when when do you need me to do this? Actually,
0: now, like ASAP, like like today, like uh, like tonight, if you can, and just 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 drive straight through the night if it's possible. If it's possible, I mean, if you have to stop, stop. I don't want you to. I don't want you to uh, get in any kind of accident or, or get pulled over. You see, it's very important that this reaches its destination.
1: Whoa. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I can do that. Yeah. Just let me make a phone call home uh, explain the situation and uh, I'd be ready to go, I guess.
0: Oh, <sighs> you really saved my life here. Oh, look, I promise I'll make it worth your while. I'll, I really will owe you one. and if you like this kind of stuff uh, you know, there's always, look, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk after, but this, this is really important. And uh, you know, I, I don't know how to, how to emphasize this enough, but uh, you know, this isn't just a favor. This is um this is important. This is a, it's, it's almost a matter of public safety, uh, but you don't need to worry, but you don't need to worry. It's everything's fine. Everything's fine. And you see like a, uh, a bead of sweat just drips down his forehead uh, and onto your desk, uh, right by your coffee mug, and it kind of grosses you out. This kind of like larger, sweaty man just like worrying near your desk, just like kind of like in this in this panic, and he's standing really close to you as he as he like fast talks about this about this errand. He needs you to run, and and I'll go I'll go get the keys to the Lincoln. I'll put them on your desk in in, uh, in one hour. All right. And uh, anything else you need, I'll, I'll give you the company card. He's going through his wallet and he's like fishing out like uh, one of those black credit cards. That's it's one of the ones that's so fancy. It's it's not even made out of plastic. It's just made out of like some kind of metal or something. He just plops it down on the desk and he's like, take that charge, whatever you want. It's, it's fine. It really is fine.
1: Uh, OK, yeah, I could get used to this f- for just an, running an errand, I, g- I guess. But just let me make that phone call, um, and let me get back to you when I've done that, okay? Then you can, uh, I don't know, uh, give me the stuff that needs to be delivered or something.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, you make the call, and I'll come back.
1: Okay, and uh, I'm sure they have sort of closed cubicles or something where you can make a phone call in silent, so she goes over to one of those cubicles, closes the door, and calls home
0: you dial home we'll say it's like it's a it's a friday and tim is already home so he he answers the phone after a few rings hello
1: hey tim it's me um i just i, I think i just got a job for at least today and tomorrow
0: oh my god are you working on a case
1: i not Really? Maybe I'm not 100 percent sure about the, the the specifics yet. I just know that I cannot go home tonight.
0: Are you doing a stakeout? Is this is this something something dangerous?
1: Honey, I you know I can't tell you about the details of any missions I run here. I'm I'll be fine. I'll be safe. I'm always safe.
0: Okay. Uh, I guess I guess that's I guess okay. That's okay. And you know, Tim is always kind of like a worrywart. He's a nice. Husband and he's very supportive of uh, of you and your job, but he's like very much worried about the dangers. And he watches way too many movies as well, so he is always suspecting something that's a little bit more exciting than what the usual reality uh, of the job has been for you. So, and he's always worried that you're like involved in something dangerous and just not able to tell him or something. So occasionally he'll pry to find out if you're like involved in some kind of hostage negotiation or something like that. But usually it's, it's okay. And he'll, he'll calm down. He, he eventually just agrees like, okay, yeah. All right. That's fine. Yeah. What, whatever you need to do for work.
1: Yeah. And, and I have to, I know I have to travel for a bit. I'll call you on the road. Okay. So we can at least have our evening discussion of everything we did today. Just like usual, but I'll be in a car and you'll be at home. Can you can you give Fudge an extra cuddle for me?
0: Yeah, of course. Uh some of your friends from the jogging group were by today. They were looking for you. They said you haven't been haven't been jogging with them lately.
1: You know, a desk job is not really my thing and every time I come home I just feel so tired. I cannot go jogging when I'm this tired. It will not do anything. Yeah,
0: that's what I tried to tell them.
1: Thanks. Um, I'll I'll be sure to start jogging again next week. I just, should, I, yeah, maybe I should get back into shape.
0: I would. I just. I was just trying to let you know that they were by. Uh, they left some kind of uh, baked goods for you. The, she seemed a little bit worried that you haven't been around.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, damn! Don't you dare eat everything. I'll be home tomorrow evening, and if there's nothing left and she just he he can feel her glare through the through the telephone
0: and uh yeah so eventually um he wishes you well and he hangs up the phone and and you hear fudge uh barking in the background he's he tells you that he's getting ready to take him for for a walk along his his favorite path and maybe go to the dog park with him about 45 minutes passes and frank approaches your desk again he has this smaller size, it's like a UPS uh, shipping box and the it's it's open on top. So it's like the, the packing tape has been cut open and you can see inside there's all kinds of like packing peanuts and, and styrofoam and it's somewhat of a bigger box. It's like, I mean, it's small enough that he can hold it in in his arms, but it's maybe like the type of box you would use for moving or to put like a TV in or something like that. Like one of the older TVs, like the boxy kind. You can't really see like anything inside of it because there's just so much uh, packing peanuts. And uh, he brings it over to the desk and he just kind of like clunks it down on the floor. And you hear it, it doesn't sound like there's anything really like heavy inside of it, but he also just starts fishing around into his pocket for this piece of computer paper he starts to like un- unravel it, and you see that there's a handwritten address on there. This is a storage locker in Reno, Nevada, and-, and here's a key for it. You just bring this down there, you put it inside of the storage locker, and then you give me a call and it'll be done. It'll be done, that'll be it.
1: So just a phone call is enough confirmation for you this time? Wow. Um, I'll make sure to make it a picture, okay?
0: Yeah, whatever, Mick. I trust you. If if you tell me it's done, I'm going to believe it's done. Look, you're, you're going to really do this, right?
1: Yeah, of course. If I say I do something, I do something. So about that company car.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Here, I, I got you the keys to the Lincoln. And he just like fishes in his pocket and he, he gets you this, and it's like this keychain and it has a, a Lincoln emblem on it. And then it has this like kind of like a ID style Keychain, and then the only other thing is just like a key, so it's just like a very official like you know he ch- he checked out this key from the like requisitions or whatever he he signed out for the car, and like here's the key for it
1: in her mind, Michaela is definitely going like i could have I can get so much more out of this if he's giving me the Lincoln, he must be really desperate for this package to arrive quickly hmm. But she, for now, she's keeping that in the back of her mind. She knows she now has a favor from Frank. It's always good to have favors from your superiors. She's just going to keep it at that. So she takes the keys, takes the box, waves, and leaves for the car park.
0: So you get out into the parking lot. It's a nice summer's day right now. It's uh, middle of July. And where you are in California, it's very warm and sunny. So you feel very refreshed as you walk out, walk outside from the, the prison of this this office in cubicle, and you're like finally outside, and it's daytime, and like you're feeling like the the sun, and you know, just enjoying all the sights and sounds of outside. And you walk into this big open space parking lot, and you hit the button on the keychain to unlock the car. And you hear the, the two beeps of, of where the car is and you look and it's it's like a shiny black uh, Lincoln Continental town car, but it's like also the, the newest one in the parking lot. They don't have very many cars. There's probably like six or seven cars that they have just like on requisition for for people to use for cases. But this is like the newest and nicest one.
1: Michaela is quite sometimes quite reserved, but she looks around the parking lot and sees that there is no one there. Does a little uh, mini cheer with her hands as as much mini cheer as she can manage, holding the box still. This mm, that that's not the car that she was expecting. She's she had she knew she was gonna get the link a Lincoln, but still she's surprised by. It. The quality of the car that she's got to get for seven to eight hours one way.
0: Do you do you uh, go into the car or?
1: Yeah, as 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 soon as she's done with her being flabbergasted, she's going to move over to the car, all completely casual. Open the back, put the box inside the back, and then move towards the driver's seat.
0: So when you enter the car. This car seems very uh new and very unused on the inside. There's like a air freshener, the new car smell type, and the car is like immaculately clean. Uh you get everything set up the way that you like it. The you get the uh the mirror to your to your standard and you like adjust the seat to the exact way that you want it. And uh you look back and you just see the box is like secure wherever you've put it if it's in the back seat. And there's like there's nothing else in the car. There's no signs that anybody else has like ever even driven this car. We'll say it has like a little spot where you can set your phone for like GPS or whatever. And uh, you punch in the coordinates. Your estimated time of arrival is seven hours and forty five minutes. And you're like, okay, well, I have quite a drive ahead of me right now. It's about four in the It's about four o'clock. So you know that you're going to be driving a little bit into the night so but you are feeling like oh this is a pretty comfortable car to be doing this and it's like a luxury model there's like these fine leather seats and you know it has like a nice sound system and you're just like this is this is kind of like a nice gig that I've just kind of stumbled into how do you feel about the box and about the errand itself
1: she is not sure about the box she keeps looking at it and it doesn't change it's just a box and it's filled with peanuts but she is tempted to start looking into this it's open it's not like anybody's going to notice but then she's like no no frank frank trusts me he gave this to me in trust let's just not do, not don't don't ruin that trust let will just keep it in the back for now and look at it Every five minutes, and in between those moments of looking at the box, she is thoroughly enjoying this car and every function it has, especially the sound system.
0: So, like, do you do you go ahead and just hit the road? Do you start driving?
1: Yeah. After a moment of of this consideration, do I? Do I not? Do I look into the box? No. Frank might be watching. That would be such a stupid idea. She definitely pulls out of the parking lot.
0: So you pull out of the parking lot and you pull onto the highway. And you're feeling this sense of freedom as you leave the office, and it's in your rear view mirror at this point. you have the window down, and you know it's it's nice enough to where you can like dangle a arm outside the window and just kind of enjoy the breeze and You drive pretty pretty comfortably for the first first hour you know you're just like really kind of just like enjoying yourself and after like one hour passes, you kind of hit a little bit of traffic and you start to notice that you're going to have to pull over at some point to put more gas into the car, which is no big deal. He gave you the credit card and maybe it would be a good time to stop and get some snacks as well. You're, you're noticing that as you kind of start to slow down in like a, a moment of traffic, you realize like, okay, maybe I have to pull over at the next stop. And then you you catch the box in, in your in your eye from the rear view mirror and it's still just sitting there, just open, just the packing peanuts on top and you just wonder again. It's almost calling to you.
1: So she takes the next exit that uh, allows for a gas station and the box is just, it seems to be staring at her with every single move she makes. It's like, um... I'm now one hour in of a seven and a half hour drive if that box is going to if it's going to keep staring at me for the next six plus hours I'm that's not gonna work so as soon as she put gas in her tank grabbed a bunch of snacks grabbed a double coffee she is driving past the tank station where they have a couple parking spaces and pulls over again and she is going to give in to her curiousness, opens the back seat door, opens the door to the back seat, and starts looking into this box
0: so you feel around inside this box, and your hands go deep down into these packing peanuts and you you can't really like see what's in there and you're kind of groping around and you're realizing like whatever's in here it's not very big, and this is Quite a large box for this item. And then eventually you you grasp this cold metal cylinder. Taking it out, it looks like some type of thermos. It's definitely not like a... Well, it's like a thermos. It's definitely not a thermos. It's definitely not any kind of container for like a beverage or soup or anything like that. It's like some type of material is stored in here. And this is like... um some type of device that's used to keep it secure. It's just like this oblong cylinder with no markings other than a white sticker that features the the GPS location that Frank from accounting had wrote on the computer paper for you. But you feel like a elect- electric shock when you touch it at first. And it gives you a scare. Because um, you're you're worried about, about looking into it in the first place and you touch it and it gives you this like electric shock. And then you realize that it must have just been static or whatever and you're okay. And it seems relatively harmless as you as you like hold it and look at it.
1: So by tilting the container, she's trying to figure out what the consistency of the stuff inside is. Like, is it a solid junk? Is it maybe a liquid? Is it a powdery thing? That kind of stuff.
0: You don't get the sense that it's a liquid, but you don't really recognize any movement at all as you swish it back and forth. Like you're getting the impression that maybe it's completely full with no space or it's something completely solid that just is not, is not moving in the container. And you see this little sheet of paper that's kind of nestled in between some of the packing peanuts. And you just pick it up and it's a little tiny handwritten note that says do not open in all capital letters.
1: She actually feels a bit busted as soon as she sees the note. Ah, damn, they knew. Of course they knew. Who, who wouldn't have guessed that a person getting a box that's open is going to check inside the box? And for now she decides to follow these wise words and not open the container but just in case she might want to do that in the future how is it locked
0: so it looks like there's a top part of it that kind of screws on and you do get the sense that while it is very secure looking like you don't get the impression that this could accidentally come unscrewed but if you wanted to open this you could just screw the top off It's just like, it would just, it would just come apart if you, if you really wanted it to, but otherwise it's like this very secure, like, it's almost like a bolt. It's screwed all the way down in a locking position and you would have to unscrew this bolt, like all the way up the thing to take it off. So you know that like, it's secure. It's, it's not, I mean, this metal looks practically bulletproof. This is heavy and you know that it's not going to like break or anything like that, but if if you were to tamper with it, if anybody was to tamper with it, they could just open it up and you start to wonder about like what could be inside. Like, is it like a, a dangerous chemical? Is this like a new virus? Is this like a, you know, and then you think about like more mundane, just like, maybe this is just something stupid that Frank is wrapped up in that has nothing to do with anything of importance. And uh, maybe it's just like a, You know, maybe it's just to, like, save somebody from an embarrassment. And it's not, like, a matter of national security or something like that. But either way, just the the mystery of what it could be weighs heavily on you you as you find this object.
1: It sure does. And she decides to, yeah, she decides to just, for now at least, she knows what is in the box. She knows there's something in the container that should not be opened. And she definitely doesn't want to be the cause of something escaping into this world that shouldn't be here. Either a chemical, maybe radiation, maybe a virus, maybe somebody's secret stash of whatever. Her mind goes everywhere. Maybe it's just water for some weird reason. And they just want to test her out or something. But she decides to to put it back in the box, bury it in the peanuts so that it looks like it wasn't disturbed and just drives off again.
0: So you you drive off and you kind of you almost like forget about the cylinder after like an hour, an hour and a half passes of you driving again. And it's starting to get a little bit later in the day. The sun is starting to to set and it's like you're enjoying this beautiful pink sky as you, as you drive on the highway and you're starting to kind of feel like a little bit lonelier as like the kind of like the isolation of this drive is setting in. And for a brief moment, you say something to yourself just out loud and you say out loud, man, I wish we would get there sooner. And you hear next to you in the passenger seat, I know, right? And it seems fine to you. You feel like this person, this voice has always been next to you as a passenger, but then as the second, as one second, two seconds pass, it starts to set in the weirdness and unnaturalness of that. And all the, all the while you're still looking straight ahead. You haven't looked next to you yet because like the weirdness of that is just starting to set into you. And I need a sanity roll, please.
1: Yes, of course you do. That's a nine. And my sanity is currently at 55.
0: You justify that to yourself. You're like, oh my God, I must be losing my mind or something right now. What is happening? In the periphery of your vision, you see a figure sitting next to you in the passenger seat. It's just the silhouette of a man. He's wearing a black suit. And this is just what you see in the corner of your eye. And he's facing outwards, looking out the passenger window. And as this one second, two seconds pass, you're waiting for it to just disappear. You're waiting for it to just go away and be a hallucination. But you're noticing it's it's still staying there. You haven't turned to look at it, but it's still in the corner of your eye, this person in the passenger seat. And you start to think about, could they have been there when I... When I left the gas station, no, no, I, that doesn't make sense. I, I was by myself. I, I've been by myself the whole time. And you're, you're starting to just think about how is this possible?
1: And she even closes her eyes for a couple seconds as, as soon as traffic allows. Might still be a bit crowded, but you can always close your eyes for a couple seconds. Take some deep breaths. And when she opens her eyes, he's still there. That's freaking her out. Even though she's not completely losing her mind, she is gripping her steering wheel really tightly and she can't help but look over.
0: You look over and you see clear as day a man sitting in your passenger seat. He's wearing this black suit. He looks to be maybe in his mid-30s. He has a short buzz cut haircut and a pale Caucasian skin. And he also has a bit of a, a bit of a beard, like a a stubble beard. And he's just looking out the window, just not paying any mind to you. And it's like, he's been there. You do feel this weird feeling of familiarity, this weird feeling of, of this being the way it's supposed to be, but you're still bothered. You're, it doesn't make sense to you. It just doesn't add up. How did he get here? How how did he enter the car? Was he in the car the whole time? And did he just sneak out now somehow? Like, it's, it's very hard for you to wrap your head around. But looking to your right, you see him. And he is there.
1: She will blink. She is very much aware of when she blinks. And he's still there in front of her. So she turns back to the road. So how do you... Did you get here again? Um, I'm sorry, I must have forgotten your name, I guess. Um, hi?
0: I didn't even introduce myself. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to be rude to a fellow agent. My name's Shackleton, and he puts his hand out to, to give you a, a handshake. And you see his hand looks very, very dry and rough, but it does look like it's there.
1: She will hesitate for a second. But then she'll grab the hand and say, Hi, Michaela Rubinoff. Sorry, have we met before?
0: So the second you reach out to touch the hand, you just feel this weird sensation as your hand just slides through it like in a movie of a ghost. And you feel this weird sense of shock as you turn back to face the road quickly to make sure that your driving is okay. And, and you glance back again for a brief second and Shackleton is gone and you're just like, Whoa, you're, you're starting to, you're starting to feel your heart beat very fast. And you're starting to feel a little bit of sweat and the hair on the back of your neck stand up as you look in the passenger seat is suddenly empty again.
1: And from the passenger seat, her eyes move to the, big cup of coffee and too much caffeine can do weird things and then she picks up well she doesn't pick up her phone she dials for tim because she was going to call him anyway and apparently she's so lonely that now she all of a sudden imagines fellow agents that she has never met before in her car
0: so you call tim and after a few rings tim picks up you can hear the TV playing in the background. Sounds like a baseball game is on. Hello, Mick. Is that you?
1: Yeah, it's me. Um, I hear you are spending your evening wisely. Just wanted to check in. I'm doing good. I'm on the road now.
0: Good. How is everything? Are are you okay out there? How's traffic?
1: Traffic is terrible as always. Um, I I think I'm good. A little lonely. Uh, it's it may be crowded on the road, but I I got a big car from the company. I, I don't completely know why, um, but it's nothing like the car we have. And it's just weird to be alone, you know?
0: And he's talking to you and listening to you and you can hear the sounds of the, of the game loud into the speaker. And for one moment he interrupts you to, to yell at the TV and he's just like. Oh yeah yeah like just just screaming in excitement but he just cuts you off like mid sentence to to like cheer at the game and then he's just like oh that that's that's awesome so so they got you in a cool car is is it a convertible like James Bond
1: sort of like James Bond I could see James Bond drive this car it's a Lincoln come on have you like I could see that I don't think he ever drove this model though but that I could see a future James Bond doing so, yeah. Definitely. How's the game going?
0: Oh, it's a real shit show. I don't even know why I'm watching. Yeah, I sprained my ankle when I was taking Fudge out for a walk, but putting some ice on it now, I think it should be okay.
1: How did you manage to do that? You were just walking the dog.
0: Yeah, I'm such a goof. I don't I don't even know how.
1: Maybe you should join the running club at a certain point in time. How is Fudge doing, by the way? You missing me?
0: He definitely is. He was trying to get into those baked goods earlier, but I, I prevented him. But yeah, he, he wishes you he were home. I, I do too.
1: Yeah, me too. But, you know, sometimes it's good to owe a favor to someone. And I can't, I cannot tell you what I'm doing, but this is going to be a big favor as far as I've noticed so far.
0: Are we talking like a promotion or?
1: Maybe. There was mention of maybe you could work with, oh, no, never mind. I'm not going to tell you yet. So maybe.
0: Wow, that sounds important. I hope it's not. I hope it's not something dangerous. I hope it's not like s- some kind of high stakes undercover operation. You you wouldn't do that, right? You You wouldn't do that to me and Fudge, right?
1: Would I call you and Fudge if I was on a very high stakes undercover operation? I I think that would blow my cover, sort of. So no, no, of course not. I wouldn't.
0: Tim talks to you for maybe 15 minutes about a program he saw about the Witness Protection Program. And it's just kind of like rambling on about different things. And you do feel a little bit at ease talking to him talking to somebody that you know is there talking to somebody that is is very actual and like you feel that connection to home again as you as you give him a call and after maybe like 30 minutes or so you guys are still just kind of like talking but he's kind of like running out of things to really say but he's still just like enjoying your your company like being connected and like you guys are kind of silent at this point. He's just kind of like watching TV and you guys are making small talk.
1: Yeah, normally Mick would not really, I don't think she would enjoy that he watches baseball and just rambles on about the game and what is a good play and what isn't a good play because it's just not her thing. But now having having seen what she thinks she saw, maybe didn't see, maybe it was the caffeine, maybe it was just the road, Uh, Maybe she dozed off that that's probably is she dozed off for a little bit. And this is just keeping her awake. And for now, it's nice to just hear his voice.
0: It's about 730 at night right now, and it's starting to get actually dark and you don't feel tired, but you're starting to question if you're going to try to drive through the night or if you do want to stop at some point. I'm not saying you would have to stop now, but you're starting to think about what your game plan is.
1: So a quick calculation tells her that if everything goes well from here, she would deliver the package somewhere between 11 and 12. So 11 and midnight. And as she's not tired currently, she decides to keep driving. If anything, she can drop off the package and find a, find a place to stay afterwards. Then, Frank is happy. everything got done as quickly as possible. She held up her end of the bargain, and she is rid of this weird tube in the back of her car or her borrowed car and then she can probably also sleep a little better, knowing that that is done
0: so you begin driving again. you decide you're gonna you're gonna try to just stick it out and drive through the through the night to at least get it dropped off and then. We'll deal with that later." And after maybe 30 minutes goes by of you in complete silence in the car again, you hear this voice from behind you. So was that your husband? And in the rear view mirror, you see the man sitting in the back seat this time, seemingly with his arm around the box, just kind of sitting casually and occasionally looking out the window.
1: As soon as she hears the sound of his voice, she tenses up again and taken aback by doubt him being in the back seat was maybe maybe he just moved over from the front seat before when 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 she was not looking or something, and she says, "Um, yeah, um, so is it your box? No, it was Frank's box. it cannot be your box um." Help me remember, why, why are you here again? I'm
0: just here to help an agent finish out her mission, but it's nice getting to travel. I always wanted to do more traveling. And you see, he's just looking out the window and he has this long longing expression in his face as he's just watching the, the trees pass.
1: And the silence between them is making Mick just that much more uncomfortable. So after about half a minute, maybe max two minutes of silence, she looks in the back or in the rear view mirror, says, um, is it okay if I put on some music?
0: Yeah, I love music. Any kind, really. It's nice to hear anything.
1: She decides to just turn on the radio and see whatever is on at this hour.
0: What What is on at this hour?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I think it's... Just pop music. I don't know what Mick would listen to normally. Definitely not this. Maybe it's more. It's more electronic than that. She really likes. So, but it's better than silence.
0: And you really do feel that that feeling of wanting to pick something that the that the other person won't won't mind. And you think about how ridiculous it is. But like, and, and after like maybe five minutes. This whole situation is starting to sink in as, as very ridiculous as this phantom figure that previously disappeared before your eyes sits in the back seat with his arm around this box of packing peanuts as this top 100 pop song plays muffled out in the background as you drive <laughs> facing forward, probably feeling very uncomfortable, I would imagine. What's going through your mind at this point?
1: She is thinking she's going crazy. Uh, She used to go on, on long car rides before, but never this alone. And usually in her own car, which sort of is a safe space, this is not her car at all. It doesn't seem to drive as nicely as it did before. And then there is this weird dude in the back that just popped up did it just, did he just pop up? She's starting to doubt herself. She's, because one part of her brain is telling her, no, this, he has been here all the time. He is, he's just, he just sat next to you, crawled into the back, with, and has been chilling there ever since. But then there is this other part of her brain that's clearly saying, no, no, he was not. He, he surely, no. And, She's mostly confused by this mixed information that she's getting.
0: So you're basically fighting with these ideas right now as you drive. And every time you you look back to see if he's still there, sure enough, he is. And he turns his head around to look out the back window of the car. And he says, that one there, it's been following us for a while. They're probably trying to get the box. And he leans in as he says it to you, and you almost feel his breath as he as he says this from right behind you, almost sitting like in that middle seat between the passenger seat and the driver's seat. It's important that they don't take the box.
1: Uh, of, of course, they're not going to get the box. I'm not going to let them take the box. That's my mission. My mission is the box. Get the box to where it needs to go. And I'm I'm doing that. And she's taking a look into her rear view mirror, trying to see which car he actually meant.
0: He's pointing at this black car. It's somewhat similar to yours. Maybe not a Lincoln, but this black town car with tinted windows. And it's not directly behind you, but it's behind and in the row to the left. And this is the first, second that you've noticed it. So you can't really tell how long it's been there or if it's interesting at all. But that thought kind of sticks with you. Like maybe somebody is after this or something uh, because you can't see into the car at all. And that gives you a sense of unease. Like if if you could see that it was just some soccer mom or an old man just driving this car, maybe you could just put it out of out of your mind but that wouldn't even be the weirdest thing right now, being followed. So anything is really possible at this moment.
1: She'll look back from the car. Uh, she'll look back to Shackleton and say, Shackleton, why just why don't you just sit back and relax? I'll keep an eye on the car. Um, thank you for pointing it out to me. For now, it's at a safe distance. So we sh- we should be good. I'm sure we'll be fine. And in the meantime, when silence takes over again, or actually the music takes over again, she's just going through her mind, trying to find a question to ask Shackleton to make make him more clear to her, make his, why is he here? Who is he? What is his connection to the box? Maybe he's connected to the car. Why does she have the feeling that she knows him, doesn't know him, he was here but wasn't here? She's just going over all these questions and she really is looking for a question to ask him to clarify all of that and she cannot seem to find it. If you enjoyed this game of Delta Green, make sure to check out our other Delta Green one-shots. We have several listed now and more to come soon.